Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. So we are going to get back into our sermon series today called Deliverance. Um, and if you remember, we call it Deliverance. It comes from uh, chapter 1, verse 10. And it says that we look forward to the coming of Jesus Christ, who will deliver us from the wrath that is to come. And I told you the very first week that we started working, going through uh, 1 Thessalonians, that 1 Thessalonians would be unique because not only is it the first epistle that the Apostle Paul wrote, but in, the, in this uh, first and second Thessalonians, every single chapter has some reference to the coming of the Lord, which is wondrous when you think about it, because it's the very first letter that Paul wrote, and he wrote it to a church that he had only spent three weeks with. And it's to this church, these, these brand new believers, that he's telling them about the coming of the Lord. I, I love it. I love prophecy as well. So it's kind of fun. So if you remember the last four weeks, we talked about some of the things. Uh, there was a week we talked about tribulation, overcoming that. And we said the way to overcome uh, the trials and tribulations is basically to pray for each other, to remember that there are others that are in more need than we are at any given time, that regardless of the trials we're going through, there are people that are going through even more difficult trials. Um, so we, we talked about these different things. So today we're going to get on to the fourth chapter. There's, there's five chapters, by the way, in 1 Thessalonians. So we've gone through three. We're beginning in uh, chapter four. There's only one more chapter left after this. So we'll see what Paul has to say. So we're going to be in chapter four, verse one. And our message today is living to please God. Living to please God. So we'll start in chapter four, verse one. Paul says this. He says, finally then, brothers, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us that you ought to walk and to please God, for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Verse 3 says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Paul goes on, verse 5, he says, Not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of such, all, and also be forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanliness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. So we're now into chapter four. And for those of you that have been to church more than, oh, let's say three or four times, you know that when a pastor says, finally, right? He's not quite done, right? <laughs> he's not quite done. I mean, Paul's saying finally, but he's got all of chapter four to go through and all of chapter five. So by finally, what Paul is actually saying is, I'm changing the topic. I wanna, I've, I've talked about a number of things. I've thanked you for what you've done. I've been, I've been so happy that Timothy gave us this, this great report, but I wanna talk to you about what I have in mind today. So Paul changes the topic and he says, finally. You know, it, it's interesting. In, in, in this country, our church services are relatively short. 
Uh, every time my wife comes, she always reminds me that our church services here should be short as well. Less people sleep, by the way. You know, if you, if you only have a service for a half hour, less people are sleeping after a half hour than if you wait 50 minutes. At 50 minutes, it's understandable some people are going to be sleeping. So we try to keep them short. In this country, many of the services are short. However, have you, has anybody been on mission and trips? Have you been on mission trips before? A number of you have been on mission trips. It's amazing how long some of these services go. We were, we were down in, in Peru. We flew into Lima, Peru, and then we went to uh, uh, Cusco. Went to Cusco, which is up in the mountains. We had to take a, a plane to Cusco, and we were with uh, Compassion International, and we were building a school during the day, a bunch of pastors, there's 12 of us. And, and at night, then we had a church service, okay? And it was the local pastor, it was a good church, nice church, and it was in Spanish. Now my Spanish is pretty good, so I'm following along with the pastor, and then they translated into English like every other sentence. So it was kind of fun listening to what I thought he was saying and then what the translator said. And it was, it was pretty close. I'm going along pretty well. And sure enough, after about an hour, hour and 20 minutes, with some music first, but then about an hour, hour and a half maybe later, the pastor finally says, finalmente, finalmente, okay, finally. I look at my watch, we go for another hour and a half, okay, <laughs> another hour and a half. And, and this, is, this is kind of what Paul is doing. Paul is, is, is actually bringing in a very important topic, and it's called sanctification. Now, sanctification is a, is a kind of a funny Christian word. I don't know if we ever use it outside of Christian circles. And it's, and it's really not that hard. You have to think of it as, as being holy. Being holy. Doing something that pleases God. And sanctification is really a process more than, more than an event. It's not arriving somewhere, it's, it's a process that we're constantly trying to be more and more like the person that Jesus Christ wants us to be. That's called sanctification. It's a religious sounding word. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3, he says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. So in this case, sanctification, he's specifically relating to a thing called sexual immorality. Now you would think that as a pastor, what I would do is I'd just go on to chapter 5, okay? I mean, if, it's going to, if, the, pastor, if the Bible's going to talk about sex, I'm just going to go to the next chapter, right? No, we don't do that. We don't do that. This is why we go through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, so we don't avoid anything that the Bible is talking about. Now this word, this word sexual immorality is always the same Greek word. The Greek word is pornea, okay? Have you heard anything that sounds like pornea? Okay, pornography, right? That's where we get pornography. Now, in the Bible, pornea is always translated as sexual immorality, even though it refers to all kinds of sexual deviant acts, okay? Sometimes it might be a husband and wife, and the husband strays, or the woman strays. Okay, we know that that's called adultery. The Bible calls it pornea. The reason is that the Bible doesn't have to define it by specific words, different types of pornea, it's all outside of the concept that God created man and woman to be able to come together in marriage and have a healthy sexual relationship. And that was the idea of God's will. Our topic for today is living to please God. So Paul is telling these, these the Thessalonians exactly what it means to live to please God. And he's doing this for a couple of reasons. He's doing this not only for their own benefit, okay, not only for their own benefit, for, but also to be a witness. Remember in Thessalonians, these were pagan people. Paul said, it's amazing how you've changed. You've, you've abandoned your old ways, and you're now following the one true God, which means that they're changed. They're different than they used to be. 
One of the things that the pagans did in their worship services to their pagan gods was a thing that involved temple prostitutes. You can imagine what activity involved temple prostitutes. This was pornea. This was pornea to Paul. It was sexual relations outside of what God intended. And he said, I want you to avoid that. That's called sanctification, being holy, living in a life that's, that's pleasing to God. Now, I want to talk a little bit about what the Bible has to say about sexual immorality. And I think it's important because just as when the Thessalonians were around, the society was very perverse. The society had certain standards which were contrary, contrary to what the Word of God said. Today, unfortunately, we're becoming more and more like the Thessalonians or like the, the Corinthians, these pagan societies. At one time, the United States, because it was founded on Judeo and Christian principles, the normatives, the norms in society were very similar to those things that the Bible talked about. Those things that were inappropriate in the Bible are also inappropriate in general society, regardless of which church you went to or you invented, went to church. But that's not true today anymore. And most of it has to do is relationships outside of a husband and wife in a normal relationship, in a sexual relationship in marriage. You know, it used to be, it wasn't that long ago, that if a man and woman traveled across the country going to an event of some kind, maybe they're going to one of their relatives or families, or maybe somebody got invited to a wedding and they brought somebody that was special, like the plus one, they would travel and they would stay in separate rooms. But not anymore. It's kind of assumed that if a couple is traveling together, they will stay in the same room together. This is, things have changed. Things have changed. You don't have to turn on TV to see how far society has slipped. We see it every single day. And that's why I felt I had to address it. Now, the question is, is do you think Pastor Ken's going to talk about homosexuality? Well, of course I am. It's one of the biggest hot buttons today. I mean, just a few years ago, the Supreme Court the people with the black robes on, right, that know more than anybody else decided that, that homosexual marriage was legal. That a man could be married to a man and a woman could be married to a woman and they had all the rights and privileges of any other family. Well, lots of luck procreating children. Lots of luck having children if you're a man and a man or a woman and a woman. It just doesn't fit. You know, the Bible has a lot to say, so I feel I ought to say something about it. And I'm just going to use one verse. And that's Romans chapter 1, verse 26. Paul says this. He says, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for nat unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committing shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty of their error. And that's out of Romans chapter 1, verse 26. Now, I know what other people will say. They say, well, pastor, you're just taking it out of context. You see, that's really not what the Bible has to say. Well, yes, it is. That's exactly what the Bible has to say. I chose specifically Romans chapter 1 because in Romans chapter 1, if you get a chance to read it, Paul is talking about the natural order. He's basically saying, just look around you. You can see that there's somebody that had to be a creator. Somebody created all of these things. It's, it's natural. It comes simple to us. We ought to be able to know that there's a creator out there and we need to worship the creator. But this is what happened. People started worshiping those 
creatures rather than the creator. And they turned away from worshiping the one true God and they make idols for themselves out of silver and gold and brass and they, they worship these things. And it says, therefore, God gave them over. And that's where verse 26 comes in. God therefore gave them over and they started committing shameful things, illicit sex, pornea. So the context here is exactly that, that people started drifting away from God's natural order and as a result, God gave them order over. And as a result, men lusted for men and women lusted for women, that which the Bible considers to be pornea. Whew, I'm done with this. <laughs> Let's go on. Let's go on. We'll put a pin in this. Remember, our topic today is living to please God. Verse 9. It says, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do towards all of the brothers who are here in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk properly towards those who are outside and that you may lack nothing, lack nothing. So the question is this, is why is Paul now introducing in the middle of this topic, he's spending time on his quill and his parchment and he's talking about living a quiet life. Why is he spending so much time doing this? Well, because remember, Paul is telling them that they need to be a good witness. They need, just as the people of Israel were called to be a different people than the people around them, and God gave them certain laws, Paul says there are certain things that I told you about what Jesus said. These are commandments that you love one another. And then Paul goes on and he talks about that you aspire to lead a, a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Now, what's interesting is that we think of some of these things as kind of ancillary, meaning kind of secondary, things not as important as the other things, right? And I'm, I'm sure that's true. I'm sure there are things like loving God, knowing about God, the Ten Commandments. Those are important things. And as a result, some of these things are ancillary. But our topic for today is living to please God. And what God wants us to do is to be a good testimony. God wants us to be energetic about in our witness. And our witness includes not only telling people the Word of God and what the Word of God has to say, but living in a way, living in such a way that people see that we're different. There's something different about us. There's something different about us that makes us unique, that makes us a, a people of God. Now, many scholars believe that Paul included this as, a, as godly conduct because, again, Paul wants us to have a, a good reputation. He wants Christians to be above reproach. And again, he wants us to be industrious, both in spreading the gospel as well as providing for his or her own welfare. We need to be able to provide for ourselves rather than be beggars and be asking others to contribute to us. You know, that's trusting God. That goes all the way back to what we said our scripture verse was today. We trust God. We trust God in our generosity. We trust God in our generosity. Why? Because God has given us the ability to make a living, to be able to be industrious, to be able, the Bible says that a laborer is worthy of his wages to be able to go and make a living. God will provide for us. And Paul wants us to be focused on that. So the themes, think about it. Think about the themes that Paul introduced in this chapter after he said, finally, was sexual purity, love of neighbor, 
and now living a quiet life, minding their own business and finding useful works. And again, Christians that live an exemplary life are a good testimony to non-Christians. We live a life that's chaste, virtuous, loving, and self-sufficient. And as a result, people look at us and say they've got something going for them. Something's working. There's something about their relationship with this God, this man Jesus Christ, that's changing their life. There's a, it's interesting, um, there's, a, there's a thing called the Protestant work ethic. Have you ever heard of that? The Protestant work ethic? It's interesting. I, I did some research on it. I've heard of it before. It kind of goes back to John Calvin. John Calvin was a reformer, and he basically talked about the idea of, of being industrious, uh, of working for a living. He obviously used this verse as well as some others. But there's also a guy named Max Weber that did a study, and he did a study in Europe comparing Northern Europe, which was typically um, Protestant, to Southern Europe, Italy, France, um, Spain, Portugal, which were typically Catholic. And he was trying to compare the economies, and he said there's something to these people that are Protestant that believe what the Bible has because it seems that they're working with your hands. Now I'm not sure about that. I'm really not sure about that. I don't think that's the intention to show basically a difference between Catholics and Protestants. I think the difference is Paul is saying live to please God. Live in such a way that you're holding your vessel in such an honor your own vessel in such an honor that you understand that you need to, to please God in everything that you do, everything that you do. In closing, uh, you wonder, right? Is he really wrapping it up? Finalmente, finalmente. Let me quote the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthians. Now, when we get to the Corinthians, and we'll get to that sometime next year, the Corinthians, this letter to the Corinthians is very similar to this letter today because it talks about brotherly love, it talks about love, it talks about the idea of honoring God and honoring God with your, your whole self. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, do you not know, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your, your bodies. See, what a wonderful way to understand that sanctification, this idea of holiness, starts with our own bodies, of, of handling our bodies in such a way, of not putting things in our body that are detrimental to our health, of understanding that God wants us to live a, a chaste life, to have a life that's, that's fitting and pleasing to him. When we make Jesus the Lord of our life, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside our bodies. That's why Paul is saying the Holy Spirit is, is the temple. Your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our spirit is quickened. It's made alive. As a result, we're living temples. When we understand that Jesus died on the cross in our place, took our penalty for our sin, and took it to the cross, we have the opportunity to honor God with our body. That's why Paul says, honor God with your bodies. And that's our sermon series today. Our sermon today is called Living to Please God. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. You've to been be listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.